Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. All right. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We have Mark Walsh, who is currently the corporate head of pharmacy sourcing for Health Trust. And Health Trust uh, is responsible for um, over 1,700 hospitals and roughly 3,500 outpatient service centers. And uh, Mark and I have gotten to know each other here in the Nashville area. Um, he is also board certified in pharmacotherapy specialties, has his doctor of pharmacy degree from Rutgers University and did his PGY1 pharmacy practice residency at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Mark, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Hillary. I really appreciate being here. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro and even share a little bit about your personal life if you would like. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the role I'm in now is a recent transition from uh, about a month ago. Um, So I now lead uh, the sourcing team for uh, pharmacy at Health Trust Group Purchasing Organization. So uh, we contract in a committed model on behalf of roughly uh, $8 billion in aggregated uh, spend. And we contract for uh, drugs, for capital equipment, for software, kind of anything a pharmacy needs. Um, and so the the team I lead of negotiators, kind of a uh, little bit of jack of all trades, but it's uh, definitely keeps it interesting. Um, and then from a personal perspective, uh, I live in Nashville. Uh, I've got my wonderful wife, Joanna, who's a veterinarian. And then I've got uh, my two little ones who are uh, one-year-old and two-year-old who uh, like to prevent me from sleeping pretty much ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Mark. Um, and yeah, so let's let's kind of just go ahead and dive in a little bit. So uh, first, for all of our listeners, um, some may know, some may be a little bit unfamiliar about what a group purchasing organization is and what might a pharmacist exactly do there? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I, I think it's one that doesn't get brought up in pharmacy schools uh, as a possible career path, because I think there's just a, not a broad understanding of what the opportunities and the possibilities are. Um, so a group purchasing organization, there's a few different models or iterations of the approach. But essentially, you're attempting to aggregate spend together across multiple entities in order to be able to create additional leverage at the negotiation table when trying to, you know, talk to drug companies or talk, talk to suppliers. And so uh, Health Trust got its start uh, initially as a byproduct of how uh, HCA was going about their contracting model. Uh, and they identified that there was additional opportunity to maybe generate some more leverage if there could be some additional partners who would work with them in order to kind of aggregate their spend. Uh, And so now we're roughly kind of closing in on about 30% of all hospitals in the country in a committed model where ultimately a, a large amount of their spend has to come off of health trust contracts. And In return for that, they get really good pricing because the vendors who we negotiate with um, are 
understanding that there will be pull through on their contracts. Whereas there's different, there's other GPO setups which allow more flexibility, which is beneficial to certain organizations depending on how they're set up. But the contracts uh, sometimes are a little bit less valuable because the pull through isn't guaranteed. Um, from a pharmacist perspective, it ends up being a really interesting dynamic because it opens up a lot of different career paths. So I, I kind of traversed two of them in uh, my roles here at Health Trust. Initially, I was a part of the clinical pharmacy team. Uh, so it meant that I was providing subject matter expertise to the contracting process from different avenues or in different subjects. So I focused a lot on operations. So I was focusing a lot on equipment, on software, on what were the impacts to workflow on specific contracting strategies. So if we went with product A versus product B, is there a refrigeration component that would make one easier than the other? Is there a compounding component that would make one easier than the other or advantage one versus the other? Um, and so we provide a lot of that feedback and uh, input into the process so that when we're developing strategies to try and roll out across you know, 16, 1700 hospitals, that they're feasible. And we've tried to think through all of the processes that they would have to ultimately do in order to implement. And then we try to take that a step further by creating documents, whether they're monographs for P&T, whether they're implementation uh, documents or toolkit documents, so that all of that gets pushed out with the project. So that when we say, okay, we've awarded a contract to vendor A for product A, we understand that you're going to have to convert 80% of your current use from the product that you're using today to this product. Here's all the documents you need in order to be able to do that, along with you know certain strategies that may be beneficial. Um, so that's the clinical side. Uh, then we've got a member support side, which helps... Um, implement those strategies that we call them, they're essentially account directors, where they go on site to the to the IDNs, they, they meet with the leadership to talk about how they've been doing with regards to implementing different strategies, and then where the opportunity is, or what are some best practices um, that they could maybe use to get better compliance. And then now I'm on the sourcing side, where we're actually negotiating the uh, contracts, and we are... Um, you know, uh, trying to develop different strategies, develop relationships with the vendors uh, so that we can get, um, you know, uh, best terms and best pricing for our members. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, there, there's a lot, uh, a couple things that I, I want to draw out of, of that. So first, um, Mark, People are probably wondering, wow, how do you how do you get into one of these roles at a at a GPO? You know, what was a little bit about your background? Um, is there a certain skill set uh, that is needed? You mentioned, you know, a lot of it is negotiation, but also some uh, clinical services. Maybe you could share a little bit more about about that. Yeah, absolutely. So if you asked me, you know, nine years ago or whatever, when I uh, when I graduated uh, college, um, where I was going to be in 10 years, uh, the word GPO would never have even entered into my vocabulary at the time. And so um, I kind of stumbled upon it serendipitously. Um, so I did my residency um, at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And, and at that time, um, I had decided that I didn't want to pursue a PGY2 because I really wanted to get out there and, and 
dive into the kind of art of clinical pharmacy. And so um, that coupled with a really bad winter in New Jersey took me down to Florida, uh, where there is an abundance of hospitals in comparison to where I was at in New Jersey. Um, because a lot of snowbirds travel down, it's uh, fairly dense in certain areas from a population standpoint. And so I was kind of surprised about the amount of institutions. Um, and that's where I joined HCA. Uh, I joined HCA first as a clinical pharmacist. Then I was a clinical coordinator at two different hospitals, ultimately ended up in a director of pharmacy role, did that for about three years and was trying to figure out what's next. Because I think that a lot of times when you're coming out of pharmacy school and you're wanting to go the institutional path, director of pharmacy is the kind of the be all end all. It's where you want to end up. Um, and I was sitting in that role trying to figure out, okay, well, this is great and I love what I'm doing, but you know, where's what's the next opportunity? Um, and that's where I learned about uh, Health Trust, the GPO, because HCA is a member of it. Um, and so the kind of opportunity opened up and uh, I kind of I jumped in with both feet and I've been loving it ever since. Um, that's you know kind of how I stumbled into it. I think there's two other things uh, to think about. One is we have a PGY2 residency at, at the GPO. Um, it's the only one of its kind. It's in its own category called uh, corporate pharmacy leadership. And it is a way to get exposed to all aspects of what we do. You rotate through each and every one of the segments. You have an opportunity to shadow leadership, do longitudinal uh, projects, um, go through contracting, the whole nine yards. And so uh, I think that's a really great avenue to get into that kind of differentiates a PGY2 uh, once they finish uh, from pretty much everyone else because it's the only uh, one of its type. And then additionally, we're constantly recruiting. Our team has expanded, I think, over like 10 positions in the past two years. Um, and so I would just ask people to keep a lookout because we're looking for a diverse background to folks, whether it's they've been a director, they've been a clinical coordinator, they've got a passion for, um, you know, uh, clinical uh, pharmacy, or they want to get into negotiating. Um, and, and it's not just limited to pharmacists. We have technicians on our negotiation team because a lot of times in supply chain, they end up being the, the contract managers and the negotiators at the IDNs. And so we kind of, uh, folks who are familiar and understand pharmacy are, are, are welcome um, to, to apply and to join. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug disposal of controlled substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. Yeah. Well, that that's really helpful, Mark. And um, yes, I've, I've definitely noticed. Um, so you've got a lot of different people on your team, whether they're doing um, MUEs or monographs or um, doing the negotiating. Um, as you've added more ben benefits for members, um, which is really interesting. So uh, you mentioned the word IDN. So could you explain that for our listeners in case they're not familiar with that and talk a little bit more about um, that aggregation of healthcare um, and, and where you see um, more pharmacy uh, opportunities within that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So an IDN is an integrated delivery network. It's a really uh, roundabout way of saying a hospital system, but they don't like calling it just a hospital system because often it includes physicians' offices, outpatient infusion centers, uh, kind of any any touch point that a patient may have with healthcare. And so they gave it the name an IDN because it's the delivery of healthcare kind of broadly. And so um, as I think if you watch the market with the amount of mergers and divestitures and acquisitions over the past, say, 10 years, healthcare in America is aggregating rapidly. The standalone hospitals or the standalone physician offices are quickly being gobbled up by the larger health systems. Um, it, it serves two points. Uh, there's supposed to be uh, efficiencies of scale that happen when you get large enough, whether you're opening your own distribution centers so that you can distribute products to yourself uh, to try and uh, kind of control that mechanism, uh, or you know whether it's from aggregating some of the ancillary services, whether it's finance or uh, prior authorizations and things like that. Instead of having to have one person at each individual clinic, as you aggregate, you can pool those services to provide um you know, uh, the services for a much broader uh, uh, pool of physicians, clinics, things like that. Um, and so this is happening all over the place. Um, and there's a huge opportunity for pharmacists to play a role in it. And, and I think a lot of folks don't understand the evolution of what's known as the supply chain. So the supply chain is essentially how you get a product from the manufacturer to the end user, the patient. And usually the beginning parts of the supply chain are outside of the IDN. So it's the manufacturer sends it to the wholesaler and then you purchase it from the wholesaler. And now that product enters into your supply chain. Um, if you're you know, on med surge or if you're on other sides of healthcare, you may actually not deal with a wholesaler. You may be procuring the products directly from the manufacturing yourself, and then you're able to uh, have a, a longer supply chain. But historically, that had been a cost center that was run by folks who are more commonly associated with the, the med surge side. So they're moving materials, they're moving, uh, you know, tongue depressors, they're moving alcohol wipes, they're moving bags of fluids, things like that. Um, and so they had just been kind of running that process. But over the past few years, what we've seen is pharmacies being seen as a part of supply chain because it is integral to getting the medications from the manufacturer to the patient and the skill set of the pharmacist, particularly folks who've been in like director of pharmacy roles and things like that, is able to drive efficiencies out of that entire supply chain that uh, you know, maybe haven't been seen before. So they're being able to put in place, you know, operational efficiencies uh, to to drive down value and increase, or to drive down costs and increase turns of inventory. And they're also able to couple that with clinical implementations, so that maybe they're uh, reducing the amount of SKUs they carry because they were able to put a therapeutic interchange in place across the entire system. And so, you know, for a lot of folks who uh, are kind of looking for alternate career paths, supply chain's a really good one, and I think it's an untapped opportunity just yet. I've seen a few health systems start heavily leaning on pharmacists in, or in those roles, but I, I, I think that there's a lot more to come there because um, ultimately, the pharmacist has two skill sets that I, I think are underrepresented in um, kind of the leadership bubble today. It's 
you've got the clinical aspect, which a lot of executives don't have. They've usually come up through the business route. And so you have the ability to talk to physicians on a one-on-one level and engage with them. But then you also have that you know, understanding of how the operations need to run uh, that is common in the executive pool. And so being able to tie those together definitely opens up a lot of doors. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that the marrying of the clinical and and operational side. And I completely agree with all of the different opportunities within the supply chain. Um, That was something that I was was really unaware of, uh, too, going through pharmacy school. But um, being at a, a wholesale distributor, um, that's that's really who we're dealing with or manufacturers and, and kind of looking at what uh, different things happen along before it gets to the pharmacy. Um, so I think your point about, you know, looking at those those career paths, whether it's with a GPO, manufacturers, wholesalers, anywhere within that supply chain. Um, and then just, um, you know, more chief pharmacy officers. So we're seeing those um, positions be elevated at the health system level as well. So lots of different transferable skills. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. So Mark, I do want to go back to to one other point kind of about the the clinical side of, of kind of what you're doing. Um, so in order to, you mentioned pull through. Um now, are you all looking at standardizing some of the formularies for your systems? And and how does that work in order for you to get um, some of those better contracts and things? And, and maybe explain a little bit more about pull through how you're able to predict utilization um, to be able to get those better contracts. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's a, there's some lingo that we use when we're talking the type of contracts that we're pursuing in different categories. So you've got sole, dual, and multi. So a multi-award is essentially we will contract with anybody in that category, and uh, we will kind of allow the members to decide who they want to purchase from. It, it's usually uh, categories where um, having that choice is beneficial, whether it's result of supply disruptions or just the nature of that uh specific product type. Um, Then there is a dual category where we will limit choice to everybody but two. And so we will not contract with everybody else in the category. We will only have two on contract and maybe there's operational considerations between them. Um, You know, one has longer stability, but one's cheaper. And so depending on, um, you know, how your organization positions itself, one will use one and one will use the other. Uh, but the one we try to drive towards, uh, if we can, is the sole position where we will only contract with an individual vendor in that space for that specific product. And so that limits choice greatly, but it also increases the value of the proposed contract because we're telling one vendor that you are going to get most, if not all, of health trust volume purchasing your product. And so the way our process functions is when we're going that route in a category that may be more difficult uh, because there's maybe uh, clinical or operational considerations between the products, maybe they're not one-to-one exactly, um, what we do is we've got advisory boards. So we've got a clinical advisory board, we've got an operations advisory board, which are made up of subject matter experts, um, of our hospital systems or health systems that we take these strategies to 
after we kind of think through some of the beginning phases of it and we say, Hey, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? You know, pick this apart, tell us where we need to be better. Tell us where the strategy needs to change. They provide feedback tell us, you know, what we need to tweak, whether it's possible or not, because sometimes they'll flat out and say, nope, that's impossible because of X, Y, and Z, and we we throw the strategy out. More often than not, they'll be like, yeah, we can do it, but we need to take this, this, and this to consideration. Then we take that to our pharmacy advisory board, which is made up of our uh, kind of members. Um, our de- uh, It's essentially a decision-making body for pharmacy, and they'll decide whether... Um, you know, uh, they want to move forward with the strategy. And ultimately, they are, you know, the chief pharmacy officers or the leads of pharmacy for the health systems. And so when they're signing off that it's possible or that they want to pursue it, they're also committing to execute on that strategy. And then we go back to the vendor, we say, hey, you know, this is, uh, you know, we're, we're ready to go forward, we execute the contract. And then that's where all those kind of clinical and operational documents come into account. Uh, we have a drug information service uh, in conjunction with Belmont University uh, who helps us generate a lot of these documents. So they are kind of constantly churning out these toolkits and these monographs. And then we're providing our, uh, the clinical team is providing their input on, um, you know, uh, kind of conveying the information that was aggregated from the members to make sure it addresses all the needs. And then we'll announce the contract. And when we announce the contract, those documents are all pushed out to the members so that they have them. And then there's that kind of follow-up phase where we have our, our member support team who will then work with the IDNs and the health systems in the months following the launch uh, they will track performance against the measures. So uh, we've got, like, say, market share analysis. These three drugs are all being measured. You know, this product needs to be at 80% of total market share. So if I take the amount of units of product A, product B, and product C, product A has to account for 80% of all units purchased. So then we go and we have that conversation with the IDN and be like, you're at 50%, but you know, this other IDN has gotten to 90% and this is the strategy that they've used. Is this something you'd be interested in getting more information on? And we provide that information to them so that we can work together to, to kind of accomplish that goal. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Well, Mark, this has just been so interesting to be able to get more of an inside look at what a GPO is and and some of the different roles uh, that a pharmacist can play. Obviously, some consulting is involved in that too. So um, this has just been fascinating. It's been our our first uh, time to be able to have a guest uh, from a GPO. So I think this will be really interesting for our listeners. And we appreciate you being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. No, thanks, Hillary. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun being here. Awesome. Thank you. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.